When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you're a 415, you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415, hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network 95.7 The Game, please download the Odyssey app, download, rate, and subscribe to us there. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We're going to be beginning with some comments about what George Kittle had to say about his quarterback, mm. about his head coach, about his season. Uh, also, some more rankings as we move forward towards the kind of um, post-draft pre-training camp rankings according to pff.com and of course we got some great stuff set up for you as well before we dive into the deep end mark my man how are you i'm doing all right evan um a little uh i don't know not feeling the great it's just everything that's happened in the bay area and i know those watching on on youtube they can see what shirt you've got on you've got the uh the green cell shirt you were at the reverse boycott over uh, i guess tuesday evening at the coliseum everything going on with the A's and the relocation battle to Las Vegas. I'm not even an A's fan. It's got me feeling a little bit frustrated. I, I can't imagine how you feel, Evan. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll leave it to you. I, I, I normally ask you how you're doing. I, I think I know how you're feeling about the A's. It sucks. It's terrible. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I'll just straight up ask you like normal. How are you doing? Well, I appreciate that. And I'm doing fine. I mean, <laughs> It is what I, it is at this point, huh? Well, I, I've made my peace with it. I mean, the A's have been rumored to move multiple times, sometimes in Oakland, sometimes other places. Yeah, it does appear. I think they still have one more bill to pass through. It's going to go through the governor's office. Uh, but, I mean, look, I don't want to spend too much time on this because yeah. this ain't a A's podcast, and there's <laughs> plenty of other coverage and other um, – avenues you can go to 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 learn about what's been going on uh but yeah but it was fun to be at the uh, the reverse boycott game and experience something that as fans has kind of been missing in the east bay for a while and that uh, a team in a organization like the 49ers has um not let happen i guess you could make kind of a parallel between you know the 49ers leaving the city of san francisco going from candlestick of course now to levi stadium but they're within an immediate range and so yeah. Uh, there are still some natives here in San Francisco who feel a bit betrayed by that, but it's not as if they can't just drive an hour down mm-hmm. and support their team. So um, I guess there, there's some parallels in that sense. But overall, I, it, my, my day hasn't been changed a whole lot. Oh, I'm good to hear that. It is. I mean, it is. A, it was a really cool 
thing. I watched it on, on television. I wasn't able to get out there, but it seemed like an awesome environment. Wish I could have been a part of it. Uh, but the A's fans represented as they have done a lot throughout the team's time in Oakland. So happy to see that. Unfortunately, looks like it's coming to an end. Uh, but let's get on to some 49ers stuff, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And George Kittle was making sort of his media rounds earlier this week, and he was spotted on Good Morning Football. He's spotting on the Jim Rome show, and he's been discussing the season that is hopefully supposed to be a good one for the 49ers and talked specifically about the quarterback situation, which he is honestly a, a fan of, and I would hope he is, but he doesn't really have Mark. I guess this uh, this perception that we all do that there's a lot of question marks because <laughs> Brock Purdy is deserving to be the guy. Trey Lance, George Kittle believes is, quote, starting caliber quarterback. And it didn't really mention Sam Darnold too much in that, but I'm sure if you asked him directly, he'd, he'd kind of say the same stuff. <laughs> uh, but it is interesting to hear a guy that honestly looked a 100% different from Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, then to Brock Purdy. Later in this season, of course, when he racked up, I believe, like eight touchdowns in six weeks and was a game changer on offense, much more so than beginning in the season. But what did you kind of make of his comments about the quarterbacks? Well, yeah, he's been doing the rounds. You're right. He's been all over. He was also on the Dan Patrick show and something that he said there, I think, stuck out, stuck out to me more than anything else. Dan Patrick asked him, so do you think Brock Purdy is going to start week one? And Kittle starts answering, you know, yeah. And when you go 8-0 in the regular season in your first eight starts, and then Dan cuts him off, like, well, I just mean health-wise. Uh, and and Kittle goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, I've seen him throw a couple of times. We're all good. He's, he's going to start and all that. So Kittle, uh, one, took the question the first way, just forgot about the injury, or not forgot about it, just pushed it to the back burner like it didn't even matter. And he thought the question was, has he earned the starting quarterback spot? And he said to that, 100% yes, he went 8-0, and we were scoring 30 points with him, yada, yada, yada. And then Dan Patrick edited, revised his question and said, no, I, I mean his elbow. And, and Kittle almost laughed it off, like, yeah, no question, no problem. Like, this is very, very obvious. Um, so I think it's good news for the 49ers that George Kittle is able to answer that way when it comes to the health of Brock Purdy. But I think it's also telling to how everyone, maybe not everyone, the vast majority of people, and at the very least, the important people, the decision makers, feel about this quarterback room right now, Evan. It is becoming very, very obvious to me, I think to you, I think to most of our listeners, I think to most 49er fans who are following this story, that unless something goes terribly wrong in these next couple of months, Brock Purdy is going to start the season as the 49ers quarterback. And, and really, the only thing that could delay that is the injury but even that seems like it's unlikely at this point given the way the 49ers are talking about it uh so i think that's what stood out to me uh injury wise play wise everything seems to be pointing towards brock purdy which shouldn't be all that surprising i suppose evan considering what we do know about the other options but it is it is interesting to hear them say it with such certainty at this point of the offseason when there's still so much time until week one. Yeah, and, and look, as it pertains to Brock Purdy, uh, if I were George Kittle, I would want him to be my quarterback because whether it's due to the trust that Kyle Shanahan has in Brock Purdy as it pertains to play calling or just a familiarity and an immediate chemistry built between the two, 
he was a different tight end in the passing game, something that fans, that media members, and I'm sure that even himself have been wanting to get more involved in. We already, I think, identify him as one of the, if not the best blocking tight ends in football. But through the year, there's always been kind of a want for more. And he set a very high bar for himself when his second season, he set the single season yards or receiving record for tight ends. And since then, it's not as if he hasn't been effective in the passing game, but he just hasn't been as active. He's been blocking. He's been setting up other guys. He's been used as decoys. Um, But George Kittle with Proc Purdy, was catching multiple touchdowns a game and was getting the ball deep, was yards after catch. I mean, if you just take a look at the last, I think it's the last four games of his regular season with Brock Purdy at quarterback, you know, you got two touchdowns for, for 93 yards, two touchdowns, a buck 20 against Washington, 23 yards, but another touchdown against Las Vegas, four catches for 30 yards and two touchdowns against Arizona. But the, <laughs> the depth, the actual, uh, as they call it, the A dot, the average depth of target when targeted was significantly different than the first 14 weeks of the season. And maybe you could say he got a bit of a slow start, started the year, hurt a little bit, banged up, and then got healthy as the year continued. But he averaged over the course of the season about six and a half yards when targeted. With Brock Purdy, that was much closer to eight and a half or nine. So it's it, it, again, he is a guy that can hurt you down the field with his physicality, with his running ability, his yards after catch, and even now in the red zone, that's something that Brock Purdy unlocked in him. So if I'm George Kittle, not only am I feeling like, well, Brock Purdy did earn it, but also this guy's helping me. And there's a lot that potentially resides on this season for, for George Kittle as we're talking about futures in San Francisco. I'm sure he wants to continue to be a part of it. He wants to win. Brock Purdy is going to be helping him be that guy this year. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, 100%. And even if it's, even if it is coming from a selfish point of view, like the one you're just laying out, not, not a bad thing by any stretch. George Kittle feels like perhaps... Um, Brock Purdy is more reliant on him or whatever word you want to use than other quarterbacks he's had in the past. I don't know. Even if it is coming from that selfish point of view, these compliments, that is, it is still just interesting to hear the difference with which he is discussing Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. You remember what he talked about, what he said about Lance a couple of weeks ago? It was, you know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Trey Lance looks, quote, significantly better this year as he did last year okay that's great at the time we talked about that perhaps the most concrete um compliment that a teammate has paid to trey lance since he's been drafted or at least since he's been the expected starter after his rookie season when jimmy garoppolo was the team starting quarterback that year the year they lost the rams in the nfc title game but that's how he talks about trey lance again a compliment But there are levels to this. He says Trey Lance significantly better. And then when asked about Brock Purdy, oh, yeah, he'll be the starter. No question about it. Injury, blah, blah, blah. Earned it. Performance. We score 30 points a game with him. We don't lose with him. Yeah, he's the starter. 
Uh, it's not undeserved. It's not unearned on Brock Purdy's part. But there is 100% and a very, very clear divide between how not, not just front office members and head coaches and members of the coaching staff, but down to the players. There's a very clear divide in how the San Francisco 49ers are talking about these two quarterbacks. It has become patently obvious which quarterback is preferred, which quarterback is expected to, to lead this franchise for years to come. It is not the number three overall pick. It is Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. Shouldn't come as a surprise right now, again, considering everything they have said, but it's becoming even more and more obvious just how stark the difference is in those walls in Santa Clara, between those walls in the Niners facility, how they feel about these two guys. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any doubt about the hierarchy anymore. I mean, it's it's Brock Purdy's number one. And then Trey Lance and Sam Donald got to battle it out for for number two, number three. And if you want to throw in Brandon Allen, you know he's the the fourth or third quarterback. So, uh, you know, I I think that's that's becoming clear and, and has been um, very quickly here in this off season. And honestly, I one that assuming health for Brock Purdy, uh, I, I think should have been expected. Uh, but also, I mean, George Kittleman talked about Trey Lance. The three areas that he highlighted were you know his his confidence, his calmness. And then his health. So basically, all three of them are improved. He looks like he's settled in. And that's good to hear for a guy that, again, had not played a ton of football. And so it does feel like, even though it's taken some time, uh, those reps are finally at least starting to look like they're settling into the rest of his team, which is a good sign. The other part of some of his comments, Mark, were about Kyle Shanahan. And this was from a slow news day hmm. with Kevin Clark, who works for uh, The Ringer. I believe. And yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he works for the ringer and basically, you know, was talking about the key to Kyle Shanahan and his play calling can sometimes he, he plays possum. Like sometimes he'll use plays that are intended not to work. So he'll try a couple of running plays that are just going nowhere, you know, pick up one, two yards to set up the big play action play that will find Kittle down the middle or Ayuk on the outside or Jawan Jennings or Christian McCaffrey out of the back, you know, who knows, but it, it was, it was, I don't know, kind of funny. I, I thought to hear a player under Kyle Shanahan literally tell the world that he throws some plays like intentionally in order to set up what he's hoping is going to be a big one. Were you shocked to hear that? Um, not really. I think it's a concept that's been out there and that a lot of football coaches use. I haven't really heard a player describe it in this way where, you know, Kittle says Shanahan calls plays purposefully that, that he doesn't think are going to work. And the point of this is you lull the defense kind of into a false sense of security. You run the same play two or three times in a row, or you call it four times throughout a, a first quarter and then you break it out for the fifth time or whatever the case is, you run the same exact formation, the same exact pre-snap movement, you know, and say say the play was a an inside toss to Christian McCaffrey to the right side. You fake the toss to the right side, and then you have Brock Purdy or whoever the quarterback is roll out on a boot to the left, and then you suddenly have an opening because the entire defense, they've already seen that play before, and every time it's gone on that inside toss to the right to the running back, and suddenly everyone is out of position. Um, 
I guess the way that it was described by Kittle surprised me a little bit, where, again, he's purposely calling plays that he doesn't expect to work. But this idea uh, is is in football everywhere. I remember a story from, from Chip Kelly's days at Oregon. Uh, those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm an Oregon duck. I, I would love to talk about Oregon any opportunity I get. He would He would call the same pass play like four times in a row, just a simple slant route from the outside, gain five yards, whatever, incomplete pass, whatever. The same exact play, like three times in a row. And on the fourth time, they would run, run the sluggo, a slant and go. And the quarterback, whoever it was at the time, Darren Thomas probably, would fake on the slant route. And then the, the DB or the linebacker, whoever was covering him, would bite because they've run that play three or four times in a row. And then the wide receiver, as the, the DB or the linebacker is crashing down on them, runs the go part of the route where you just streak down the field. And guess what? He's wide open because the defense gets lulled into that false sense of security. It goes for a big gain, perhaps even a touchdown, all that jazz. So I think the concept in general isn't really all that surprising to me, um, but I've heard it, uh, you know, kind of in the, in the way of these are minor plays. You're still getting positive yards here and there. We're trying to turn it into a big gain now. But George Kittle saying that Shanahan purposefully runs plays that he does not think are going to work, that part is kind of surprising to me, where you're purposefully trying to be bad for a play or two with the hopes of breaking it big later. The, the concept isn't anything all that new or surprising to me, but maybe the, the twist that Shanahan is putting on it is a little bit. No, I don't think it's surprising, but let me let me put it this way. Uh, that, that big play, that big play you're setting up, better work. <laughs> yes. Like it's probably sacri- coming on like a third and 10. So. Yeah. If you sacrifice two downs and <laughs> try, trying to set up a big play, you, you better hit on it. And I think that's probably a big reason why Kyle Shanahan isn't comfortable with certain quarterbacks, <clears throat> Trey Lance, because you got to be able to hit those plays when they're there. And Brock Purdy did it more often than not last the last season. And maybe he feels like Sam Darnold can also help them in that category if he has to fill in. Who knows? Uh, But it's a very demanding offense that is, uh, you know, as George Kittle talking about it, it's focused on creating the big explosive play, uh, which Brock Purdy did did often last season. 